0: Well this morning we saw <clears throat> Job asking God to be his security, to be his pledge. And tonight we're going to meditate on that idea from Hebrews 7 verse 22. If you'll turn there with me in your Bibles, Hebrews 7:22, we'll read uh, in order to get the context. Uh, from verse 11. And this was our New Testament reading this morning. Now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than the one named after the order of Aaron? For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well, for the one of whom these things are spoken belong to another tribe from which no one has ever served at the altar, Jesus from the tribe of Judah. For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest not on the basis of a legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. You remember that uh, earlier in chapter 7, uh, in verse 3, he is without fa- Melchizedek, he's without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God. He continues a priest forever, literarily, in Genesis. He doesn't have a genealogy. His birth narrative is not given. His death is not recorded. It's like he lives forever, this Melchizedek. And in that way, he resembles Jesus. For it is witnessed of Jesus, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For on the one hand, a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness, for the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. For those who formerly became priests were made such without an oath. But this one, Jesus, was made a priest with an oath by the one who said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever." This makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. So God swearing an oath that Jesus will serve as our priest forever makes Jesus the guarantee of the new and better covenant. Jesus is not the one who guarantees. Jesus is himself the embodiment of the guarantee. Jesus doesn't speak the guarantee. He is the guarantee in his own person. God swears to it by the unchangeable faithfulness of his own faithfulness and power. So I want us to mark just three encouragements tonight. First, be assured of your hope in Jesus. Be assured of your hope in Jesus. You, Christian, can have full assurance of eternal hope in Christ because. God has sworn by his own character that Jesus is our priest forever. That's the grounding of your hope and the assurance of your hope. God swore it. He swore an oath in the Old Covenant, too. But this oath is far better than that one. When Israel disobeyed for centuries on end, God said, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That's Psalm 95, quoted in Hebrews 3 and 4. But in the new covenant, God swears a far better oath. And he will never change his mind about it. He swears to Jesus for our eternal salvation. You are a priest forever. And that oath makes Jesus the guarantee of a better covenant. If God had sworn that Jesus is a priest forever then he must be a priest for a particular people forever. A priest without a people is no priest. He doesn't have anybody to represent or mediate for. And that people is his trusting church, and you should count on it. Every Christian at some time or another doubts that his or her claim to eternal hope is valid in Christ. Do I, sinful as I am, dare to hope for salvation in Christ? I mean, could that possibly be good for me? But Christian, the assurance of your hope, your certainty that Jesus will save you is not based on the commitment you have made to Christ or His church or the consistency of your moral track record after you're a Christian. The assurance of your hope for eternal salvation in Christ is based on God's sworn commitment to Jesus that he will always be your heavenly high priest. God has sworn never to change his mind about this. Jesus will be forever the priest who offered his sinless body and blood in the heavenly places to atone for our sins and to mediate our relationship with God. He went into the true temple made without hands offered his sacrifice once for all time, and God accepted it since Jesus sat down at God's right hand. He sat down, signifying that Jesus is finished with his work, and he sat down at God's right hand, signifying that God is satisfied with the work that Jesus has finished on your behalf. It is finished. God swore, then, that Jesus would forever be a priest, and that means Jesus embodies God's guarantee to you. If you are trusting in Jesus, then you are trusting in God's guarantee of salvation, and you will be saved because God has sworn to it for the assurance of our hope. Jesus is there in heaven right now representing and pleading his own cause in you. He's not pleading your cause. He can't plead your cause. Your cause is no good. He's pleading his cause to be on your behalf to count for yours, his perfect cause. And as John Flavel said, if the head is above water, the body cannot drown. Christian, the fact that God swore means that God the Father himself intends and wants you to experience and sense the assurance of your hope in Jesus. Why does anybody swear to anything? To get people to understand that that statement and that commitment is reliable. And God swore. God is not playing cat and mouse with your assurance. He never moves the goalposts. God wants you to have a strong sense of your assurance that your hope in Jesus is not false. Your hope is true, it's real. Your claim to eternal life in Christ is guaranteed by God's character and Jesus' sacrifice and the reliability of God's sworn promise. If, you trust, if your trust is in the person and obedience of Jesus, then you do not have to wonder whether your faith is adequate, either in quality or in quantity, because it is not your faith that saves you. It is the object of your faith, the person in whom you have placed your faith. It is Jesus himself who saves you. God himself, the true and living God, the sovereign one, has sworn irreversibly that Jesus will be the heavenly high priest for everybody who trusts in him. His blood will avail for you. His prayers will be accepted for you. His power will release you from the power and persuasiveness of your sins and their lies to you. And his patience will persevere with you. His love will never let you go. This is what we all want. What we all want is a guarantee from God that He will save us, and God has given us that guarantee, that surety that we sang about tonight and this morning. Jesus is all the guarantee you and I need from God. He is your guarantee. He is it. And He's the best God has to give. You trust him, you remain in him, you keep hold of him, you abide in him, you remain in and with him, stay close to him, loyal to him, and you have nothing to worry about. All that is promised in God's better covenant will be yours. Abide in him, stay in him, stay with him. All you have to do is stay with Jesus. God has sworn to it so that you can be sure that your hope is valid. Second encouragement, draw near to your heavenly Father through Jesus, your heavenly priest, in prayer. Draw near to God in prayer. This is the writer's own application of verse 25. Since Jesus holds his priesthood forever by divine oath, consequently Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He saves to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. Jesus, your great guarantee, is pleading the merit of his own guarantee to God on your behalf, trusting Christian. So draw near to God, the Father, through Jesus. Jesus is paving the way for you now to approach God, the Father, in prayer so that you can have an expectation of success in your prayer that God will hear and answer you because Jesus has taken on himself our nature permanently to represent our humanity before God. You have a friend at the court who is now speaking to the king on your behalf. And that friend just happens to be none other than the king's son, Christ is speaking to the Father to give you an audience with the Father so that you can ask him to save you from the power that your sins hold over you. God wants to do that for you. This is just what you need. Now, sinner, listen. Why would God the Father ever bother to reveal such things to you in Scripture if he did not want you to act on them? It is not enough to just know these things. In fact, to know them and to not act on them is to refuse the invitation to the great banquet. "'I have bought a field,' said one. "'I have bought five yoke of oxen,' said another. "'I have married a wife,' says another, Luke 14. "'I'm too busy to pray. "'I'm too prosperous to pray. "'I'm too preoccupied to pray. "'I'm too good of a husband or father to pray.'" I'm too tired to pray. I'm too scared to pray. You know what Jesus in the parable of the great banquet calls all those statements? Excuses. Excuses that really say, I am too proud to pray. Excuses that throw away the greatest guarantee ever offered to humanity in order to roll the dice and go it alone. A Christian draws near to God through Jesus whatever it takes. And for all who do, Jesus saves them to the uttermost, completely, all the way, in every way. He saves them from the power of their sins over them the penalty of their sins, the presence of their sins, and even the pain of their sins. So draw near to God through Jesus for that. And finally, perse- persevere in trusting and obeying Jesus, no matter what. If Jesus is our guarantee, then we have the assurance we need to persevere in the truth and holiness of the gospel. Jesus is our guarantee that trusting the gospel of repentance and faith towards Jesus is going to pay off a hundredfold, both in this life and the next, because God keeps his promises. He never swears to anything he will not do. And he has sworn irrevocably that Jesus is the priest for all who know they are sinners and need forgiveness and reconciliation with God. So don't ever throw away your confidence in Christ. Don't Ever throw away your confidence in Christ, that is how the writer to the Hebrews puts it in hebrews six eighteen so we have fled we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Hold fast. we have this as a sure and steady anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, and he will go on to say the same thing again in chapter 10, verse 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And you will receive what is promised, because Jesus is your guarantee that the endurance and sorrow and suffering and pain and loss will all be more than worth it in the end. A Christian, don't don't get disillusioned by what you see in the world or at the senior center or in worldly churches. Don't get cynical or scared when high-profile Christians suddenly quit claiming Christ. The fact that they threw away their guarantee only means that you should hold on to yours all the tighter. And don't let your own suffering for the gospel stop you from trusting and serving the gospel. Jesus calls every one of us to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. So when you hear the scorn of the mockers, when you see the Savior slandered, when you feel the weight of your own cross and self-denial, when you're exhausted from serving and feel like too much is being demanded of you, when others misunderstand your loyalty to Jesus as if it were self-righteousness in you, when all these things happen, look again, Christian, at your guarantee. Look at Christ. He is your priest forever, representing you, praying for you, pleading his own merit for yours. So keep trusting and obeying him no matter what happens, no matter what it costs, because Jesus is, is your guarantee and you have God's word on it. Let's pray again. Father, forgive us for our faithlessness. Forgive us for our quickness to give in to our own sinful thoughts and tendencies and feelings and fears and doubts. When if we would just pray to you you would help us help us to trust in Christ as our great guarantee with you and may we be greatly strengthened and encouraged every time we do that we might reflect the glory and mercy and righteousness and holiness of our Saviour and Great High Priest, Jesus Christ, for his sake. Amen.